Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of What's Good. Greg Meskel here with you. Our guest today, if you follow women's basketball, someone you know well, Rusha Brown, former WNBA standout, and now in a great new role with LA Sparks. Rusha, thanks for joining us. Greg, thank you so much for having me. So I, I have to start with, during this time, this, this pandemic time, unfortunately many folks, they're, they're out of work or they're furloughed, they're laid off. Uh, you, excitingly enough, are taking on a new role with the LA Sparks. Great news. Tell me about that position and how it came about and why you're excited about it. You know, ironically enough, I too was furloughed. You know, I was here working with the Las Vegas Aces and we're owned by MGM and a lot of layoffs, but I had an offer prior to with the LA Sparks and I came back to it and revisited and it's a great opportunity. So I am now the Director of Community Relations and Youth Sports so I get a chance to really embrace the roles of the young women in the sport and allowing, you know, the game to be something really fun for all the kids in L.A. I think that role has always been something that's been important. But if you look at the news lately, I feel like there's been a focus more than ever on the importance of community and what and what community can mean to an area. And athletes are are no different in the big impact they can have. How much more of an emphasis does it does it mean to you to have a community focused role now? You know, I've always loved this space and it's something I did even when I wasn't getting paid for it. So the fact that, um, you know, we're in a time where people are in a sense, a sense of distress, it really makes a difference to impact people and be able to connect with them and give them something positive and have a way to connect with the team and the players. You have a number of years as, as an athlete going back to WNBA, Cleveland Rockers and so on and so forth. Athletes are so well versed in dealing with adversity. How do we get over a loss or an injury or uh, losing people on our team, whatever it might be? This is a time for a number of reasons. If you're looking at layoffs, furloughs, the pandemic, social justice issues, people are figuring out ways to overcome adversity. What, what did you learn from your time as an athlete that you've been able to apply now and bring forward in some of the talks you give as far as how to handle adversity? You know, sports has been such a valuable asset to me because it's taught me so many things off the court as well as far as my level of discipline, being able to focus, having a short-term memory in the sense that, you know, when something negative happens, you got to figure out how to get to that next thing. But I'll say during these times, one of the things that has been most beneficial to me is being able to write my own story. And so many times we are consumed with everything that's going on, but I think it's really important that we learn how to create the next step. So this has happened. I can't keep talking about, okay, I got furloughed. Okay, I don't have a job. Okay, how can I create something else for myself? What other attributes and talents and skills do I have that could put me in a position to do something even greater once this is over? So I think the mindset of understanding that we are not what happens to us, but how we respond to it when it does happen. You know, you bring up a great point in, in talking with so many athletes during this time. They've really had to delve into what is their identity because they're so closely tied to their sport and being known for what they do on the playing field. You were so successful at basketball, well known for that. How did you manage that transition when people aren't knowing you for the, for the jersey you're wearing and seeing your name on the back and now you have to move into something else? How did you manage your own expectations and your own kind of motivation to transition into something new? So, and that's really a tough part of it because for so long you've been engaged and you've been tied to the sport. And when you stop dribbling the ball, you don't know who you are and other people don't know how to relate to you either as someone outside of the sport. And I think one of the things I was able to do eventually, because I like every other athlete was like, 
<laughs> you know, I, I had to figure out who I was without the ball, but by assessing the things that I love to do, I love working with women and youth. I love basketball. I love being able to empower other people. I thought about all the things I did outside of the game and was able to create my own lane. So it really is about self-assessment. And as an athlete, you're usually, you're usually really good at that because you know what your strengths and weaknesses are, but you just have to flip the channel and go to a personal self-evaluation as far as, you know, not looking at just the athletic. We're talking here on June 10th. I, I know you've been, you've been giving other talks. You have other conversations coming up and, and you alluded to some of this about really supporting women in athletics, women in business. What are, what are some of the messages that you give to try and inspire that next generation to maybe follow the path that you've blazed? You know, I think it's really important that we understand that when you play the sport, you give it 110% but you are more than the game. And it literally provides a platform for you to catapult into whatever is next. And you have to be willing to stretch yourself, not just stay in your comfort zone because no growth takes place there. So just really understanding that if you are in the midst of your season, but you love reading, what type of programming could you create around that thing that you love? And don't put yourself in a box because when it is time to transition, it becomes more difficult. But if you've already looked at yourself and who you are, you can do that. How do you balance that, that discussion? And, and I imagine that multiple former athletes go through with this because you're certainly proud of the career you had in whatever sport you played, but you also want to be focused on this new thing. But I imagine a lot of the conversations you have are, hey, tell me about that, that season with Cleveland or tell me about this moment in college that you had not that you want to dismiss those memories and not celebrate the great things you did, but how do you balance kind of living your past for people that are interested in that while also focusing on your present and future? You know, it's really difficult because when you're trying to make that transition and figure out who you are and other people keep you in this one space, it's like, no, I don't want to be that. And I'll give an example. I, when I retired, I started a few companies. I had a nonprofit and people would still say, this is Rusha. She played basketball for 17 seasons. And I'd be like, I have two companies, I have a nonprofit. And I wanted to be seen as a businesswoman. I even went back to school. I went to George Washington and got my executive MBA just so people would take me seriously. But what I had to learn is that people will connect with you at their comfort level. So if it is on them and they feel like, you know, like I love that you played basketball, well, fine. Okay, I'll be that until I get through the door. And then I need you to see all the other things that I've done. So the mindset just really has to be meeting people where they are, but still understanding who you are and getting them to buy into that. Talking with Richard Brown here, just taking on a new role in community efforts with the LA Sparks, not to uh, give any spoilers away as you get things rolling here with your new job, but, but are there some things that you're thinking right now? Okay, this is our immediate focus. These are some things I really want to launch. It's obviously tough right now uh, with COVID and being unable to interact in groups, but, but are there some immediate initiatives you're looking to put in play? Absolutely. And it's been really an, a breath of fresh air because this organization is very forward thinking. And with all that's happened in the last 10 days, we've decided in the last two days that, look, we're going to add a pillar to our organization and it's social injustice. So we'll be able to put together panels, bring in people to speak, educate our uh, fans and our fan base to make sure they understand what's going on and how they can be a part of change. Uh, and, you know, that's something that's incredible because it makes a difference. And it's not just about helping our young ladies, but our fan base. And like you mentioned with community, everyone has to be a part. 
And right now we're in a space of social injustice and unrest where it makes a difference who's participating. And so we want to give everyone that platform to be a part of that change. You bring up a great point, and this, this comes up so often, and I'm, I'm completely in favor of what you're talking about. Organizations like uh, teams like the Sparks that mean so much to the community, there's no reason why they shouldn't be setting a good example for the community. But a lot of folks will say, hey, I just want my sports over here, and then I want other stuff over here, and please don't mix them together. Obviously, that's, that's, that's not possible. But when people suggest that to you and say, hey, why, why can't it just be about the Sparks basketball games and tickets and all that sort of stuff. What's the, what's the response from the team on why this stuff is so vitally important? You know, like you have to even look at the people that are playing. You have women that are playing this game, a majority of whom are African-American. And you can't just take off your skin and walk onto court and just be a shell and play the game. You are impacted daily. And the things that happen to you off the court sometimes impact how you feel when you're playing on the court. You know, basketball is your safe haven. However, if you've been traumatized, like the impact is there. So it's unfair to ask someone to just disrobe and disregard who they are just so they can entertain, you know, the fans. But our fans are understanding and know that this is something that takes place and everyone growing together is going to make our game even better. Yeah, go, going back to its earliest days, it's, you know, it's felt like the WNBA has been, has been one of the most inclusive fan groups, not the ones that don't care for the league, but the ones that are invested in, in, in the WNBA. If you think back to your days as a player, and now fast forward to your, to your role in this leadership position, what, what sort of growth have you seen from this league? How exciting has it been to see where the WNBA has gone? You know, it's incredible because one of the things, you know, I was there in the beginning. So just to see all the things that are happening and, and what's going on with the league is just really amazing. And we look at the collective bargaining agreement and giving the players an opportunity to do things differently and make more money and not potentially not have to go overseas. You see the amount of branding that takes place off the court and just the development of the personal brand of the athletes and them using their platforms for whatever causes or um, philanthropic efforts that they have. I think it, it really means a lot. And not only that, it gives young girls an opportunity to see what it looks like. Because if you can see her, then you can be her. And a lot of times that representation is not there, but we're moving into a space where the league is embracing it, the individual um, organizations are, and for sure the players are doing their best part to make sure that things are done the right way. And, and I'm not sure the average sports fan understands how hard these women work. You have lived that life of playing in multiple leagues in the same calendar year. It's come to the surface now. You're hearing a lot of negotiations about uh, baseball trying to restart, basketball trying to restart, right? And there's heavy debates about uh, prorated schedules. And we don't want to play X number of games without X number of dollars. And, and I have to think there are a bunch of women's basketball players laughing in a room somewhere saying, we've played so many games from January to December and it just never stops. What, what's mm -hmm. that journey like for the average women's basketball player? We're talking about even at the very highest levels, you're playing multiple seasons in a given year. Absolutely. And it's ironic because when I graduated from college and I first started playing, I played internationally. I would go overseas and then I'd come home and I'd have a good summer and just chill and relax. But once the WNBA started, I would go overseas from August until May, go straight into training camp, play the full season like we were literally playing year round and women still do that today and you know between the 36 games in the summer and maybe another 45 50 overseas like it's non-stop and your body doesn't get a chance to rest so the mindset of these women 
as we listen to these stories, it's like, what spoiled people are we listening to? Because it's just funny. It's what we've always done. But like I mentioned with the um, new CBA, the players will have an opportunity to earn more money and do more here in the state. So they won't have to put that much on their bodies. But it really is a mindset. And, and not only are you playing as much, but you're away from your family. I lived internationally for eight months out of the year. No weddings, no funerals, no birthdays, none of that stuff with my family. And maybe just a phone call to see what's going on and maybe get a chance to come home for Christmas. So that level of isolation too plays a part, but you get into a different culture, you try and learn the language, you try and educate yourself as much as possible on where you are and who you're dealing with. And I think it just, it really adds to the value of the women when they come back. We're talking with Rusha Brown now, part of the LA Sparks community efforts. I know you're just getting started in Los Angeles, but if you could kind of forecast five years down the road, maybe a little bit longer, whatever feels comfortable to you, what, what sort of impact would you have liked to have had over those years with the Sparks and the efforts that you're trying to make in the community? You know, the Sparks have done a great job so far being at the forefront of making sure their community efforts are top notch. But I def definitely want to add to that and make sure that we are paying a little more attention to what the players are into so that they can build their individual brands by being out into the community and making sure if one player is into the tech that we do programming around educating youth in STEM programs. If one had an incident with their family in education where something is important, just making sure that we touch on as many things as possible to humanize the players. Because a lot of times people see the players as just athletes, but we have mothers, wives, we have women that can connect to other people on different levels. So allow them to be seen as more than just players. And then away from your official role in the Sparks, but if you look at what, what you've just done post, post playing career, you know, if you look at now, the rest of your life here outside of a basketball uniform, not that you won't still take the occasional jumper, but what, what, uh, what sort of role would you like to continue to have? What sort of impact would you like to continue to have, whether it comes to inspiring young women, giving talks, that sort of thing? You know, I've, I've always embraced my role as a change agent and being able to help people get to whatever that next step is for them and being a resource and just encouraging. And so I've always moved in a space where I do a lot of motivational speaking. I do a lot of panels. I have done workshops and developed like personal development programs for people because I, I want to see everyone be great. And I think we all have it in us. So that's definitely the space I am in and will always be in. Fantastic stuff, Rusha Brown. We end every interview with the same three questions. I'll ask them to you. We'll start first with what's something that you've done for yourself lately? Something I've done for myself. Um, I think during the time when I was working a lot, I didn't take time out to work out the way that I needed to. But now I work out Monday through Fridays at nine o'clock. So I'm doing a little better with taking care of my body, eating right, because I have the time. So I've, I've made a bit of a more of a commitment to my personal health. Yeah, I feel like if there's any silver lining to this pandemic, it's we've all been able to work on the fitness a little bit more, which has been- And I've saved a lot of money because there's no traveling, no eating out. So between that, I I've done well. Fantastic. And now what's something that you've done for someone else recently? You know, in this time, I found just in having conversations with some of the young ladies that I interact with as a mentor, I have put together an, a virtual girls empowerment program. So we'll be launching it next month. And I've done that because I want to help these young ladies get through this time and figure out what it is that they can do and build for themselves 
when they come out on the other end of this. So I'm really excited about it. If, if people want to learn more about that when it's ready, what's the, what's the best way to contact you or to learn more? For sure. You can go to Boss Girls, B-A-W-S-E, girls, G-I-R-L-S.com. And it's uh, Boss for Brilliant, Ambitious, Worthy, Strong, and Educated. So just really trying to help the young ladies figure out who they are and whose they are and how they can move forward. Excellent. Make sure you check out Boss Girls. And then last but not least, something that really made you laugh recently. I have an eight-year-old daughter going on 18 because she's extremely charismatic and her personality, but she, um, <laughs> I don't even know if I should tell the story, but she's, she's very funny. So I'll just leave it to my daughter. She was having, um, I, my daughter, I don't, I can't even share it, but no, I don't want to embarrass her with a well, story. Yeah, we won't embarrass her because if she ever finds out I told that story, but she's so charismatic and so innocent in her questioning. So just one of the questions she came to me with, I was just stuck. I didn't even know how to respond. So all I could do was laugh. But the joy of my life is my eight-year-old Morgan. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Richard Brown, really appreciate the time. Congrats again on the new opportunity. Looking forward to seeing everything great you're going to do with the Sparks and beyond. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Greg.